Good morning, diners and travelers. You're listening to On the Menu with Ian and Peter Haig, and we have an assortment of interesting interviews to bring to you today, uh, starting with um, Kathy Gunst and Catherine Alford. Uh, Kathy Gunst is a journalist. Uh, Catherine Alford is a super-duper baker. Uh, and we're going to let them just, just describe to you what their book is about. It's titled Rage Baking, The Transformative Power of Flower, Fury, and Women's Voices. I have a funny little story um, that's sort of pertinent to the, to the book we're going to be talking about today. Um, when I was in college, um, my mother, who was an artist, um, used to get together my uh, college um, colleagues, um, all of us cramming for final exams, and she would set us up with all the sculpting equipment, the clay and so forth, um, so that we could um, slam the clay into the table and, and, and make sculptures to get the tension out in our final mm-hmm. exams. So I was taken by this book immediately because you're using the similar concept, but it's baking, to do the same thing um, in a way. But it's more than that. Uh, the book is called Rage Baking, uh, subtitled The Transformative Power of Flower, Fury, and Women's Voices. I love that. And the authors, the co-authors, are Kathy Gunst and Catherine Alford. Um, Ladies, welcome to On the Menu. And there are so many questions. As I said to you before, basically, um, the, the interview itself is a little tricky because the best thing for our listeners to do is to get the book and read it to really get the idea of what what you're doing here. But start us off by saying, uh, what started this and how did you organize getting this book together? Give us some timeline on it as well and some motivation. Sure. Sure. This is Kathy Gunst. Um, During the Kavanaugh hearings, which feels like a a million years ago at this point, but it's very, very sharp in my memory still, I became obsessed with listening and watching the Kavanaugh hearings, and there were three reasons. One, I couldn't believe that we were going through this yet again. Number two was the absolute lack of respect for Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, the way that all these senators pretended to be listening to her and listening to the facts and the stories. But really, they had made up their minds before they even started. And it became so apparent to me as a woman that no one was listening to her. And I thought about Anita Hill, and I thought about all the instances where men's voices ring so much louder than women, even when they're lying. I mean, I would go so far as to say that. And certainly since the Kavanaugh hearings, we've heard from all variety of different women who have backed up her accusations. Um, In any case, what happened was I'm a cookbook author and a food journalist, and I would say that I'm not, um, I've never thought that baking was my strongest skill. Um, Most of my books have focused on savory cooking. But during those hearings at night, 
fully frustrated and full of rage, I started to bake. And I started to bake in a way that wasn't quite normal. I would make a pie, then I would make a cake, then I would make a batch of cookies in one night. And then the next day I would do it all over again. And I started posting photos of these baked goods with hashtags rage, rage bakers, rage baking, all kinds of hashtags. And I started hearing from a lot of women. And one of the women that I heard from was my dear friend Catherine Alford, who we've <laughs> known each other for about 10 years. And um, as that hearing, so this is the fall of 2018, um, later that fall, we started to talk about the idea of doing a book and getting together a group of women that we admired both in the food world and out of the food world and create a book about rage, what's happening in this country, what's happening to women, how it's 2020 and we still have so much to fight for. And the book was born. No. Yeah, it was a, this is Catherine. It was a very organic pro, um, process of just sort of like, we want to do a book. We knew that we wanted to have it a collection of all different kinds of women that were in it. And one of the, you know, most gratifying things is as we reached out to women, some of them were friends, some of them were like people we just admired, but all different kinds of women. And I can tell you that, you know, the email would go out and literally like five minutes later we would be like, hell yeah. Like there was so many women just responded emotionally and understood that using their skills and their voice and our community um, to speak up. And it was super exciting. And I have to say, you know, both Kathy and I have had, you know, extensive careers in food and writing and, and media. And this was one of the most gratifying experiences that I've ever had because it was so collective and it was so, you know, so many different women and so many different points of view and the and the enthusiasm, it, it was incredibly, incredibly powerful. Now, it's, it's interesting. I, I read the introduction of the book very carefully, and I thought it, thought it was intriguing that, that you referenced a man whose name was Peter Finch, who was in the movie Network, encouraged by Faye Dunaway, and his, <laughs> his, his mantra was, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's exactly right. This is Kathy again. Yeah, that mantra felt so real during that hearing. It still feels real as we go through the impeachment hearings. It's just how much more can we take of what appears to be a seriously corrupt leadership? But it, but it's really you know, but, whole, it's really, this is, but it's funny the, the the guy who spoke the words you used so dedicatedly, I guess, was it a guy? <laughs> well, I would also say that it was very, you know, when we when we came to this concept, we also looked around around us and saw many other women. So, for example, right at the time when we um, decided that we were going to go for this book and do it, Rebecca Tracer's book just came out, which was called, which is called Good and Mad. And, you know, the thesis of that book was that women's anger has, always been used for good, whether it's in the civil rights movement, the women's movement, um, the peace movement. And so 
this felt really very contemporary. And there's so much stuff actually happening now. I mean, when when the right to a wedding cake goes all the way to the top of the Supreme Court. <laughs> yes, right. You know, baking, is, a cake is not just butter, flour, and sugar. It really, they're celebratory. They represent our birthdays, our rites of passage, you know, marriages, um, you know, people coming together. And we knew that, you know, the whole grassroots, the people, movement that was happening, whether it was indivisible or anything, you know, women and men coming together in their living rooms, sharing, you know, sharing ideas and, 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 and sweets sometimes. And so that is, you know, this is repre- representative of a movement that's happening in the country right now. See, I think it's a I global would, movement is the other issue, I think. And I think exactly. that... Exactly. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think it's very scary. And it, it doesn't have to do with even one hearing or one uh, indictment or one... It has to do with... Isn't it scary that that these two sides... First of all, that there are just two sides, and they're so far apart. And yeah. I don't understand how all these this other side can see things so differently from me. Yeah. Well, this is Kathy. The polarization um, in this country, the divide between it, started out as a thin little stream, and now it's like an ocean. It's just gigantic. This middle piece and. I just wanted to pick up on the earlier comment. Although this is a collective of women's voices, this is in no way, shape, or form meant to exclude men or, you know, not have men's voices or quotes or sentiments be part of this. This is a book devoted to bringing people together for exactly what you just mentioned, for not making the divide any larger. But our goal and our hope is to create conversation in and out of the kitchen, whether it's between women to women, women to men, men to men. We really believe that if we can get a conversation going, maybe we can get this country moving in the better direction. But what, what do you do with this witch from Maine? <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> um, I mean, um, you are referring to Senator Susan Collins, the right. The great misnomer of the entire government being called a moderate Republican. She is part of the good old boys network. She has proven to us time and again that she doesn't really care about the people of Maine, the women of Maine. I myself live in Maine and, um, we did, uh, dedicate a recipe to her. It's called the wild Maine blueberry supreme oh, right, course yes. crumble. <laughs> yeah. She is a huge disappointment. Let us just summarize it that way and I think she's going to pay for it in November I hope so I do hope so let, let's go back a pace now um, so you you have an issue you have a direction you have a consensus you have a book in the offing what was your next step in gathering these women that you admire? I mean, did you sit down and go through a, um, a, a checklist of people that you thought you'd like, want to ask or what? Yes, some of it, this is Catherine, we were, you know, some of it was our community that we already um, knew and were very excited to connect with, and some of it was also, um, you know, just like wouldn't it be great and amazing to have someone like, Cecile Richards, and that who was the former head of Planned Parenthood 
And I actually knew, I'd heard her speak various times about what an avid baker she was. And that just happened by kismet through somebody I knew and someone else who knew her. And, you know, it was that kind of collective reaching out to a broader community. Um, And we also knew that we wanted to have, you know, women from all different shared experiences. So that was very important. And, you know, when you sit in sit at the back of the book, one of my actually favorite parts of the book is looking at all the different women that are in this book. And they're, oh, yeah, I like that, they're, too. Yeah, they're, the way they have used baking, whether it's out of frustration, out of, communicate, out of community, or telling the story of their grandmother or their great-grandmother. I mean, there's a whole wide range. It's not monolithic, and I think that is really, really important, getting back to the idea of this isn't one-size-fits-all. And also just to, you know, we're not saying that if, you know, you bake, all the problems of the world will go away, but it's a way to elevate and think about women's craft and skills in a different way and that it isn't just being passive, but it's about share, sharing and shared experiences. Yeah, I just want to echo what Catherine just said. We are very much not telling women, oh, ladies, get back into the kitchen and bake a cake and you'll feel calm. No, 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 no. No, that is not the message here. (laughs) No, uh, I I thought Charlotte Druckmann was funny. She doesn't even think maybe that it will work. Well, that's a great story because um, Charlotte's a really. She, by the great way, was the young. one. She's the one I mentioned earlier, whose book I was waiting for. By the way, was it? Oh again. yes, that's oh, a, yes, a wonderful yes, yes. book. Yeah, it is yes, a, wonderful a wonderful book. book. Charlotte is a really talented, fairly young writer, and um, I reached out to her on behalf of Catherine and I, and I said, "We're doing this book. It's called Rage Baking. We'd love to have you be part of it." And the prompts that we gave these various women who wrote essays and interviews that I that we interviewed was, what does the word rage and the phrase rage baking bring up for you? And Charlotte wrote back and sent me that entire essay as an email explaining why she was not going to be part of the book. Interesting. And I read the email and I'm like, that's the essay. And I immediately wrote her back and said, Charlotte, I think you just wrote the essay. And she <laughs> wrote back, she wrote back, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Um, so it, it, you know, we, we tweaked it and edited it and went over it with her. But really her response that baking for her is not rageful became an essay unto itself. Right. I mean, I, I think it's, I don't bake at all. So I just thought it was very interesting to find out. I mean, I don't, it's not totally secretive, but a lot of these people, I think it is kind of a secret that they, they're avid bakers. You know, oh, I mean, I it's a whole community I didn't know about. Yeah. Is IGB well, is is a baker? It's, I mean, I think that's the whole thing which is that we really wanted to capture. And when we, you know, people that were really amazing bakers, um, like Dory Greenspan, who, oh, you know, amazing. is, she's amazing. And, you know, the cake that she sent us was simple and delicious. And one something skillet. That can pull to, yeah, one skillet. So it was like, we, we, when we were talking to people about what kind of recipes we were looking for, we were like, these are inclusive. These are for home cooks. These are not super fancy or complicated. They, you know, they should be very doable, 
and accessible. And that's when it was a really just as important as um, the voices was like, this has got to be stuff people can do and feel successful at because that's a great metaphor for the change that we're looking for. It's like you put it all together and then something, you know, you wish and you hope and then something delicious happens. And I am really, really proud of, like, the fact that it's, you know, a book that comes together with activism, but there's also really hardcore, great cooking and baking advice in it as well. Right. Now, I mean, the overall concept um, is it it comes through and makes great sense and so forth, but there's also the the interesting individual um, Mm -hmm. pieces. I mean, that's that... Those in themselves deserve everyone's attention. I mean, I'm looking yes. at this one now called "Fuck You, Comma Cake." <laughs> Tell us that, about that one. Yeah, that is a really funny and fun essay by a very talented writer and friend named Von Diaz. We talked to her about writing an essay about body image and the idea that. Women and sugar and women and sweets has a long, complicated relationship. And she took that on and produced this very brilliant little essay about her contentious relationship with cake and sweets <laughs> and, and body image. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to also point out, to go back to your very first question about how this started, one of the things about baking that I realized in retrospect is that I think the reason that I turned to baking during the Kavanaugh hearings, during that initial rage and frustration, was that baking, unlike savory cooking, relies very heavily on rules. If you measure your flour correctly, if you weigh it, if your sugar is level in the measuring cup, you will get a result. If you do what you're told, you will be rewarded. And I felt like that was such a metaphor for everything that was eroding in the political landscape and what I was listening to during those hearings. I thought, this is not what I was brought up with. This, there seems to be a true lack of morality at these hearings and what I'm hearing and what I'm watching. And I think, again, I didn't know this at the time, but in retrospect, Baking for me was about if I do this, if I do A plus B plus C, D will come. That, in other words, that I would get a result that had promises, and I didn't feel that that was happening with our politicians. Right. I, I was surprised that Ruth Reichel's um, piece wasn't stronger. Actually, I was um, because I mean that this was her. The kitchen was her escape when the gourmet suddenly folded. Well, it's actually interesting because this is Catherine. When we were, you know, checking the landscape and looking at, you know, this idea and discovering many, many um, other, you know, like-minded women and the whole sort of rage-baking movement, um, one of the essays that I had read was by um, Ruth in the introduction to a collection of food writing for 2018, I believe. And one of the things that she spoke to was the the similarity of rage showing up in so many different um, bits of writing. And I think that there's this is something I'm seeing all over the place, whether it's in, you know, I, I, in, in Little Women, for example, there's that great quote of, 
of Marnie's to Joe's when she says, you know, I'm angry every single day. Yes. In this, you know, romantic kind of New England idol, there's still this women have this force. And I thought that, you know, it doesn't always have to be loud and angry. It just needs to be focused. Right. Let, let me let me tell you a story that applies to how this book is so useful. No, I don't. I don't bake at all. <laughs> Actually, that, that's not strictly true. Dur- during the boys, during my days in the Boy Scouts, we, we we actually built a biscuit tin oven, and we and we baked cakes in it. So it, we, we actually did a little bit. But but one of the one of the great traditions in in my English family was that you baked your Christmas cakes round about September. And then, and then you put them up, you stored them away, and then you unveiled them, coated with marzipan and icing sugar, on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or some one of the festive days. So, so it aged so, for three months. So in, oh, yeah. so, so in your book, you have a piece of sage advice, which is get your mise en place together, put put everything out on the table in the kitchen, so that you can make sure that you've used everything. You didn't leave anything out. Yeah, correct. Yes. Okay, yes. so so one disastrous year, my mother <laughs> my mother doubled the flour <laughs> accidentally. Accidentally, and right, she doubled doubled the flour, and then she did did the opposite of something she was supposed to do, and the Christmas cakes were truly. Horrible. Well, she she didn't. She left out the sugar. Or she left out the sugar. Yeah, I think she she she, she, she told the flour. That's better than putting salt in for sugar. I mean, you talk about emotional involvement. What that, what happens when you unveil this after three months? But the, but this right. This, Very this, disappointing. This was a this was a family story that was never has never been forgotten. Now, yeah. Well, so that's the upside. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you, you did you ever get you never got anything from uh, Jazine. Uh, um, Bullock. No, we didn't speak with her, yeah, but she yeah. would have been wonderful. She's a great baker. Yeah, well, she she turned to baking brownies uh, when she was so frustrated with this whole her whole role in this movie career and everything with her sister. Right, right, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. how she she escaped her uh, her situation and freed her life up. There are so many women that we wish we had talked to that we wish we had space for. So maybe we'll do rage baking too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah that, so. and that really speaks to going back to your question about the timeline for this is that we were very committed with our publisher. I mean, and Tiller was an amazing um, publisher to work with at Simon and Schuster. They totally got this concept and were really fa- in, in um, favor of it and supportive of it. And one of the first things they said is, this has to come out for the 2020. We wanted that. And they wanted it for Women's History Month, which is um, in March. And we're also celebrating the 100th anniversary of um, the women's right to vote. And we're also looking at finally getting the ERA. So Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Like, well, fingers crossed. Right. We're, we're a little bit closer. But that this was a very quickly um, put together pro- um, project so that we would really be part of the conversation. But what, but we what? really wrote this. 
but we wrote this book in very short amount of time, in about three to four months, and it was writing and testing recipes and retesting and oh, yeah. doing interviews and editing it. I mean, I did. we didn't sleep much. No, I guess no, not. No, here's, here's, the, here's the real deal. Suppose that Trump is re-elected in November. You won't, then you'll be really mad. <laughs> I think there'll yeah. be a lot of cooks in our future. I, 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 <laughs> I, I think that the next tome, the next book will be a tome. <laughs> I think so. so. Anyhow, listeners, I mean, I, I, I just want you to know that, that aside from the, the essential meaning and feelings in, in this book, there's all kinds of really great information, uh, a whole section called Cake Wisdom, which I loved. Uh, and then there's some really wonderful uh, recipes. I'm looking at you, grape and rosemary focaccia, which is <laughs> heavenly. Um, oh, that's so good. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I'm, I can tell. <laughs> and, uh, and and I and I also will say that you know, as you're as you're looking at the book, it's a really beautiful book too. The photography is fantastic. We have incredible photographs by the very talented Jarell Guy, who did all the food photography, and then this very very special thing of. Kathy's mother-in-law has these fantastic pictures from um, some of the first women's marches of the second wave of feminism. Oh, is that where and, they came from? I didn't know. Yeah, that. Kathy should talk about that because it's re- yeah. they create a context for the for where we are right now. Well, Very briefly, I'll tell you, my mother-in-law Nancy Rudolph was a photojournalist, and we lost her a few years ago. But I had this memory among the hundreds of thousands of photographs she left behind of a box called Women's Marches, and I found it. And Yeah, there were these stunning black and white photos of the Women's March in front of the Pentagon and then one of the very first ones in front of the White House where the women have fur coats and high heels on with white balloons from (laughs) 1961. And, And it does. It just shows you this fight has been going on for a while and clearly will continue for quite a while. Yes. Well, you're right on top of it here, Kathy Gunst and Catherine Alford. Alford, sorry. Um, it's called Rage Baking, listeners. And I said it's the transformative power of flower, fury, and women's voices. Um, but there's even a further subtitle giving you more an idea of the gist of it, a collection of recipes and conversations for our time. And ain't that true? Thank you both for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for the book. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Quite a story, sweetheart, yes? Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, we'll we'll be back with more exciting stories right after the break, so don't go away because we'll be right back. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Welcome back. We're happy to once again talk to Martha Hall Foose. Uh, who we've interviewed before. Um, this book is called A Good Meal is Hard to Find. And uh, anybody who's listened to us in the past knows 
it's that Martha is not only a, a super cookbook author, but also a terrific storyteller. And she's landed a, a, a deal here with Amy C. Evans, who is both an artist and a storyteller, to come up with a book that is sheer delight. Um, I can't get over how much I'm in love with this book. Um, let's listen to Martha explain how it came about and what to expect from it. We love, love, love finding uh, new books by old friends so that we can talk to them. And uh, uh, this goes from Martha Hall Foose, who, when did we say we first met? In 2009, I think it was, Martha? About then. Yep. And this book is, I mean, I can't tell you how much I love this book. It's, um, it, it's, it comes under the cookbook category, but it's really a, um, a storybook, as you pointed out. And it's called A Good Meal is Hard to Find. I should be able to sing that one, but I, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> Anyhow, storied recipes from the Deep South. And uh, with this, she's collaborated with this wonderful woman, Amy C. Evans, who supplied the artwork. And I, it, it goes way beyond artwork, doesn't it? I mean, it's just so, so incredible. So much more than the artwork. Oh, yeah. um, Amy has a... a very important career um, as a oral historian at the University of Mississippi for the Southern Foodways Alliance. She did that for many years. And um, she's a art teacher and just um, a marvel of a person. And to collaborate with her on this project has been just a complete joy. Well, she she does these paintings that are still lives of, of I don't know periods in time and concepts and people and a culture. And they're just absolutely amazing. A Wayne Tebow is the one that I was thinking about. Who paints from San Francisco? Who paints all the cakes and pies? And, right, right. And he uses um, part of the, what he's painting in the, his paint so that, you know, the painting becomes like part of the subject or vice versa. I think one of the, the great things, in, and I say in the book, is that she just has a visual shorthand uh -huh. um, that is remarkable. And, um, you know, if you have a picture and it's a, a tin of sardines and some gold earrings. I know. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a story behind it. See, and I'd then, love to go like, that. We might as well put a recipe in there and um, have snacks while you think about what the story is. <laughs> well, now, we were very worried that St. Anthony failed. Oh, yeah, one of my favorite because, saints. Because Anne, Anne's a great believer in in St. Anthony. And uh, I think the only thing the only thing she ne she never recovered was a ring that went down a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you say, "Well, well I hope turn you're... around. Something's lost that must be found." Uh, <laughs> that is <laughs> completely true. Um, I hope uh, your listeners 
um, can keep up because it's such a, a completely non-traditional cookbook. But but I think I hope, and Amy and I both speaking prior, both hope that um, people just get a kick out of it. Oh, I love it! I, mean, I just fell madly in love with it. I mean, I'm what looking if, at that sorry, the, the thing with the sardine can. It's a brand name, sardine can, and then the gold earrings. And apparently, the woman, which will lead us into our next issue, um, Louise, Louise had these prized, not very valuable. I think they were dime store, um, but she loved them dearly. Earrings, they were gold-ish with um, pearls, and she kept these very valuable items in um, a sardine can to, so that people wouldn't be able to find them and steal them. But she was afraid to wear them. She would take them out and just look at them and then tuck them away again. <laughs> but, I mean, these, tell us where this started. I mean, I, I, I was just so, I don't even know how to start explaining it to tell you. Here's a, here's a, a peacock feather with a, a package of Palmau cigarettes and a semicolon in an oval. That's on a page. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I think um, is so uh, funny about this book is that when Amy and I were coming up with expanding on the titles of some of her paintings and also inventing uh, new fictional characters and what they like and what they ate and what they spent time cooking, um, these folks really became real to us. And um, oh, so you talked about it's, them as it's so great. Fun. You're the first person interview that um, I've done about this book. And it's just uh, tickles me to death that you're getting such a kick out of it because <laughs> um, one of my favorite uh, paintings in the book um, it has a full wrapped chocolate rabbit, and um, yeah, it eventually that. gets melted down into a chocolate omelet that you oh, eventually that? flambe. So that is hysterical. <laughs> you know, it's really kooky. Yeah, well, there, it is kooky. <laughs> Tell me the process here. I mean. How did, first of all, explain how you met her? Um, Amy was working um, on an oral history project in Greenwood, Mississippi. And um, we met there and just got on like a house of fire. And um, she was doing a project interviewing people all through the Delta, gathering stories about Mississippi, specifically the Delta Foodways, and um, once I got to know her and then got familiar with her art, um, I was just so completely taken with how charming her paintings are, but also how she um, went about her oral history work was just so thoughtful, and I kept telling her, Amy, 
was to both of these so funny, we used the titles of her paintings, which one painting, for instance, is a can of Texan grapefruit juice (laughs) and a measuring stick. And the title of the painting is, I think, Marge took her, in the mornings, Marge took her usual measurements. Yes. Um, And I was like, that's like a hysterical start to a story, but also you could have a cocktail recipe, you know. So um, eventually we got together and started working on it, and it's great. And I'm really excited because in the fall, we have an accompanying uh, journal that is going to go with the book and also a set of note cards. So um, and what that's they exciting do? to have, uh, you mean to have the, things. The development of the, of the uh, ultimate book, is that what's going to be in the note cards and everything? Pardon me? What What's going to be in the, uh, the note cards and... Um, the journal, it's got great sections like uh, road trips to plan. Um, it's got a few recipes in there for things that you need all the time, like uh, a biscuit and and some uh, vinaigrette, you know, easy, things that you need to go to and get in. And it's got a um, conversion chart when you're trying to figure out sizes and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a handy kind of thing to keep in the kitchen. It's got a section for um, uh, places to visit and people to go and see. So I think it'll be a fun um, kitchen companion. Well, I mean, all right. Let's just go to pretend that you're meeting up to discuss this book. And how do you two start these sessions? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, <laughs> it's a tough elevator pitch, I'd say. But I think it's um, it's a storybook. Uh-huh. But you make up the stories. Right, and you know, they're, they're not all, all it, they're not all like, mm, my grandmama made the best biscuit. I mean, some of the stories that accompany the recipes and paintings are, you know, some are about heartbreak, some are about loss, some are about, but they're all stories about what people talk about in the kitchen, which is everything. So, I mean, were these based on people that you mutually knew or you totally made them up? Oh, it's a mishmash. Uh-huh. I mean, between uh, made-up friends, uh, people that Amy had conjured up before I even met her, to um, people we imagined together. It's a um, a big old fruit salad of uh, quirky characters, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I want to read one of these, but I'm trying to think of which one to read. Do you want me to read the um, 
the, the Texan one? Oh, they're all my friends. So I, <laughs> I, I couldn't really pick one. Oh, dear. Well, uh, I loved Louise, you know, and... Um, Louise was wonderful. Where is she now? And um, also uh, the Lucky Pisole. That's a great one. Which one is that? It's so hard. This is like, you know, trying to pick your best friend. Oh, I like I like Zelda. She's on page... She's on page 56. Do you want to read her? Oh, no, you do. Okay. Because I've read it in my mind so many times. It'd be, it'd be super fun to hear somebody else say it. <laughs> okay, we're doing Zelda. And the recipe is late lunch caldo, which is hot. Okay. We've got Zelda got home later than she expected, which was fine. The fellows from the band wouldn't even be waking up until the afternoon. She then would have their rapt attention. There wasn't a rhythm section she'd yet met that didn't fall for her caldo. Then she'd have them right where she wanted them, rested and full. After Zelda set their empty bowls in the sink, she sat at her piano and played them that tune she'd been working on for months. <laughs> I mean, that's, I just think that's wonderful. And then you have the recipe with the directions. Yes, and you know it. You know, you can pickle your own pork to make it, or you can then order the, some pickled pork. And um, and you have you know. the the painting on the opposite page, which is about pickled pork. And with you, gardenias. With gardenias and uh, a pig's foot. <laughs> <laughs> or hand, I mean, it's pickled. And then a, um, a a bottle of Old Harlem lager beer. I mean, some of these have bobby pins in it. I mean, there's there are vintage references. Like, here's a clothespin. Um, you have both. Um, I think the rabbit's foot keychain is such a um, classic purple. image that Amy... Yes, in her, um, you know, her work for years. That's been a recurring it, image. It's purple. I didn't and, know and why. Unless, um, I'm sure some people might uh, find it horrifying, but, you know, if you were <laughs> at a skating rink in the 60s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, you know, you've seen it before. Well, but that's also one of the things that poor St. Anthony lost. Well, Well, you know, Martha, this is not really going to work out for people envisioning what we're talking about because we're not explaining it the way just looking at this book would give you the lift you need and and the understanding of this, the whole concept of this, which is just absolutely amazing. I keep trying to think of what to do with it besides just publishing it in a book. I mean, can you make it a whole um, graphics uh, book series? Well, Amy and I have already, well, there were so many folks that we conjured up to be characters in this storybook cookbook, um, so wonderfully illustrated and inspired by Amy's paintings that, um, who knows, yeah, there are a lot of girls 
that y'all haven't even met yet. <laughs> well, see, this is good because, I mean, it needs to go on. I mean, it needs to live on. And uh, people have to see this this book. Let me repeat oh, it again. A good man is hard I mean, to I'm find. Just, go ahead. I just can't tell you how um, much that means to hear because it's so, you know, uh different book than what's out there and (laughs) you know you have to have such uh you know such apprehension as to like i hope it's well received and i hope people get tickled by it and um engaged with it and it's just wonderful to hear you say that (laughs) i'm curious man i'd love to find out all the mysteries behind all these like the cloth strips and they're supposed to be indication of vintage and so forth. And the messages, there are semicolons and I don't know, there's just so much in this book that it's, I think it's fabulous. It's also fabulous for a, a gift and uh, for yourself. So buy, listeners, buy multiples. <laughs> well, It'll be out in time for Mother's Day, which is always a good thing. That's cool. um, it's going to be available, um, you know, probably like right at the at the beginning of May, um, and uh, then again in October or in the fall. The journal that it, that it's going to accompany it, and the note cards will come out. So um, there's there's going to be a little trail of things to um, <laughs> keep folks engaged and and um, it's it's really been a wonderful collaboration with Amy because we just like to you know sit in the kitchen and eat strawberry cake and make up stories. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and if that's your day job, that's a pretty good job, that's I must good. say. Yeah, I'm very envious. I'd like to come down and, and meet with you <laughs> and talk about our friends. <laughs> and, and I don't think that the stories are, although they're very, you know, based in the South, I think the stories and the recipes that are included in this kind of album um, are stories that everybody can relate to. I mean, they're, although it's based in the South, I don't think um, the stories necessarily need to be um, couched as just Southern stories. I mean, I think they're pretty universal feelings. Yeah, I think so too. There's an author you should find. Called T. R. Pearson. <laughs> she probably knows him. I don't know. He, 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 he's at the University of North Carolina or somewhere like that, I think. But he, he wrote a series of books. Two, two I can remember. One is called A Short, The Short History of a Small Place. Yeah, and the, and the other one's called Headed for the Great Hereafter. Yeah, that one was the first. One, I think. The head, Headed for the Great Hereafter. The, the theme of the story, if you can imagine that, is that. There's going to be a dam built, which is going to necessitate the removal of the graves of 
quite a number of the citizens of this small community. Small southern town. When my dad was in uh, college at Ole Miss, they were building uh, Lake Sardis, and um, there was, you know, a concerted effort to, like, well, the, f- the funny thing was the guys... The Move, movie image. It's kind of like a, in O Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. <laughs> you know, what, what, what they, what they, would, they got so much take-up from the citizens who wanted their, body, their, their uh, loved antecedents, ones. loved ones moved, that they sort of got them mixed up. <laughs> it was a great book. Anyhow, um, we're... we're well, again, this, we're, is the we're, kind, we're, this is exactly the type of conversation that Amy and I had hoped exactly. would come out of these books about different stories and, um, you know, give some time to ponder, but also cook something. And while you're cooking it, think about where this person came from. And, you know, I, I don't feel so much that it's, my work as a chef, like my previous books, or as a home cook, as it is um, imagined from these, uh, these, I guess, souls, for lack of a better word. <laughs> oh, it's just it's wonderful. Martha, you really... You've opened up a whole new horizon for yourself and for all of us. And uh, I, I wish I could meet Amy as well. Uh, well, you'll adore her because she's just fabulous. I'm sure she is. She sounds it. But again, this is uh, Amy Evans and Martha Holfus, who is a, a, a distinguished. And people can check out Amy's artwork at Amy C. Evans. Com. Right, and there's an S on that listeners, evans.com. Uh, and a, a good meal is hard to find is the um, the title. And, and just to give you an idea, the cover photo is a strip of uh, vintage fabric, um, a cracker with a comma after it, a whole fish, and a purple rabbit's foot um, charm. <laughs> If that doesn't intrigue people, I don't know what exactly. will. You know, if in uh it's with Chronicle Books and uh you can check out a good meal is hard to find storied recipes from the deep south on um chroniclebooks dot com. Yeah, and they have a winner. Thank you, Martha. <laughs> and so great to hear from you. you and too. I hope I get to hug you next time. Great. Thank you so much, sweetie. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Now, next up, we have Michelle Buster, who, uh, honestly, you should get on her good side because uh, Forever Cheese, her company, has some of the best cheese producers and all the accoutrements of cheese. 
in the whole entire world. She knows where to get them, how to get them. And, well, she has a lot to tell us about her company, the products, and all the awards and the very exciting year they had in 2019. We love talking to Michelle Buster because she always has something new that she's doing, something new to tell us about. Um, Michelle is... Michelle, your company, and I'm going to ask you to explain the relationship, is Forever Cheese uh, slash Mitica. Um, It's Forever Cheese. Okay. Okay. And Mitica is what? Mitica is a brand that we give when we private label products that we want uh, to have a special highlight. So, and we want to be able, since we work with, so many different producers from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia, we want to pick out some of them that have a name that people can kind of have a following if they want to find it and not have to remember 20 different names or brands. But, you know, I'm going to just sort of jump at this point into just an overall statement to say that the the reason we're actually talking to Michelle is because they – her company has – she has – Fabulous cheeses. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. And, I mean, just one's better than the other. And you've actually, as I said, you always have something new developing. You've actually developed things on different fronts over the past year, always moving. Uh, you've added uh, uh, several items, uh, accompaniments and, and so on, to the cheese list itself. You've developed more package, uh, new packaging um, uh, keeping up with the times, um, you have a, a new um, a book um, for chefs that you work with. Um, do logo? What else? I mean, you've won ten million awards. We can go into that too. Uh, where to start? How about going back to how you just had your twentieth anniversary? So, how did this company come together? knows we just worked really hard every single day of our lives and kind of never never planning everything just kind of looking towards the product talking about great cheese and our producers and I think just staying true to what we believe and to our passions so without amazing producers we'd be nowhere without loyal customers who are willing to try all these sometimes kooky things that I've fallen in love with and have to help other people to fall in love with, you know, it would really be difficult. So it's all a labor of love. Give, it, give us a couple of give us a yeah. couple of kooky things. Um, well, and something called sprizzolona. So oh, yeah. that is a hard thing to say, and it means to crumble in Italian. But it's like a big oversized almond cookie. And it's something that I used to hoard because I would get to eat it once a year. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to bring this in. Uh-huh. So that is something that um, I love and we're selling. Marcona almonds. This is one of, in our book, our book is comprised of like the 20 items that we feel were iconic in helping us reach to 20 years. So Marcona almonds, an almond that is amazing, but nevertheless, you know, over 10 times more expensive than a California almond. If it wasn't for the sheer that everybody felt the same way, that, oh, my God, these are so great. Now they're everywhere. 
These are the Spanish ones, right? Oh, I These love are those the Spanish. Ones. They're softer, rounder, tanner almonds than a California almond. And you fry them because otherwise they would damage. Because oh, is that why they're fried? I never knew why they were fried. Yeah, if you toast or roast them, that's too high a heat level for it, and it damages. So oh. frying it is a, gent- a more gentler way of handling. What? In, in over 20 years, you've accumulated quite a lot of information about cheese and, and uh, related products. Um, but, you know, basically it goes back to you have this wonderful palate about cheese. Thank you. Yes, and I've mentioned two things that aren't cheeses, and that's silly. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Like recently, uh, re- uh, hello, recently uh, we've come out with a cheese that one of our producers did called Negroni. And <laughs> It's really funny, but it's kind of like, okay, are we selling out? Um, the idea was fantastic. Negroni's been very, very popular, but it's this wonderful creamy blue cheese that's been soaked in all the different herbs and bitters of a Negroni, and it's just fun. So we like to have serious cheeses, and we like to have cheeses that people can have fun with, too. That's funny. And... Um, I said I had a list of some of these things. It's just sort of overwhelming, the numbers. Um, your your um, pro- producers had 30 wins. This is just last year at the World Cheese Awards, including two Super Golds. Um, you, you had, uh, what else did you have? Um, oh, you, your travels. You, that's the other thing you do. You travel constantly. Um, do you ever rest? I mean, do you just go, here you have visited 20 producers in Italy, Spain, and Portugal, and then welcomed several producers to your offices in Long Island City. So you're like always on the move. Uh, well, I've had about three or four weeks to just chill at home. Okay. But I'm kind of ready then to go back and to see it. It's, I mean, one is because I love to travel, but two, also as an importer, we have agreed that we are going to, we need to keep the product safe for the U.S. public. This is part of what, like, the Food Safety Modernization Act says. So it's part of what we do, even though we did it before the government told us to, is to visit our producers and make sure, you know, say hello, but also make sure that the way, look at how they're making things, make sure things are okay. So if I go to Europe, sometimes it might be to find new, but oftentimes it's, to see the producers, see what's happening, refresh myself, how is the product made, how can I teach people more. And then at the same time, you're also doing a physical check to make sure that things are done properly and in good condition. Now, one of your prized awards was you won the Whole Foods Market Supplier Award for raising the bar on quality. Now, that's pretty impressive considering the volume, the sheer volume of competition. It was one of the, it, it just gave me goosebumps to hear you say that. It is an incredible honor. Um, one that sometimes you never get that in, in your life. To see that what you work for day in and day out is really, truly recognized. And it was, they gave a handful of awards in all the thousands of people. And the fact that we won the one for excellence and quality it was just, um, it rendered, I remember what I, only one thing of what I said in the speech, and I said, <laughs> I'm speechless, 
that's really, that's really hard to do for me. It's hard to, it's hard to keep Michelle speechless. Now, now let me get let me get some something that you'll certainly have something to say about, and that's all this tariff nonsense. I try not to talk too much about the tariffs. However, um, the way we, at the current levels, the way I ask people to look at it is, when the dollar was not as strong. And we had to import at much higher levels. So right now, if the dollar's at 110, 112, 114, okay. that's a bargain. Yeah. Whereas for years, we were at 145, 150, 155, up to 162. I remember it at 162. And then we all were able to buy our wonderful imported goods and still enjoy them. At the levels we are now, plus this first round of tariffs, it's still well under that, even though it's frustrating. Um, but so I'm, I'm trying to put a spin on it. I don't want to talk about what may happen um, if they change it again in February because it's speculation. But right now, that's the way we look at it. And for us, it's business as usual. That's why at the food show this year, I had uh, 12 new cheeses. We had three or four new non-cheese items. And we're moving forward because people still enjoy eating and mm-hmm. drinking and having great things and I'm we're still going to do our best to make that happen um, you, you talk about new things um, explain the setup to me uh, you must have a huge network of people to keep you informed of new developments and new products how does that work um, there's not one set way I um it could be myself, it could be my partner, I could be eating a meal somewhere and fall in love with something. Or I could talk to a friend. Uh, two of my new cheeses happened because my friend in Southeast Spain said, Hey, Michelle, I want you to meet a friend of mine. His daughter started making cheese. Oh. And I had a little bit of trepidation saying, okay, what is this <laughs> going to be about? But I was amazed and pleasantly surprised because I found a teeny tiny cheese plant with three 21-year-old girls Jeez. making gorgeous raw milk cheeses in goat country. She's making raw milk sheep in goat country. And her <laughs> father raises 3,000 sheep in organic farming. And her cheeses are fantastic. Wow. So, you know, you never know what you're going to find. But that has to be a trade show. That has to be part of the attraction, just on the brink of adventure at every moment. The other thing we're very proud of is we've been working with some producers between 15, 18, 20, even more than 20 years, almost, even though we have our 20-year anniversary. And these people continually make new, fantastic cheeses. And we love that relationship, so we don't just move around. We continue to grow and work with the people that we've been working with over the years. There are friends, there are suppliers, but they have. They, there's a true important relationship between us. It's not just buying and selling. Do you sometimes make suggestions? Then say, you know, why don't you try this particular style? Or? I'm sorry? So, do, do you yourself make suggestions to your suppliers? You know, why, why don't you try this approach to a, to a new cheese? Uh, sometimes. 
Sometimes I might say, but years ago, before I had, there were goat blues from Spain, I was trying to coach a couple producers to make me a goat's milk blue. Um, or I might suggest that they wash the cheese in something. And more often, though, because I like people to give me things that come from them, but more often maybe I'll look at giving it a different name or actually giving it a name. Because in Spain, it wasn't normal to give a name to a cheese. They just, like, named it, they gave it a, a, a category. Rota one, Rota two. <laughs> uh, well, that was my, my one of my Portuguese. It was kind of like that. They uh-huh. all their cheeses were named the one name, but they were some were soft and some were firm. <laughs> In Spain, it might be semi-soft goat cheese, aged goat cheese, really aged goat cheese. Yeah. So it's just a new thing when people start giving names. I, I, I love blue goat cheese, by the way. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, and I like it. I like it when it runs off the paper. Which one? Sorry. I, I like the I like the goat cheeses where the cheese runs off the paper. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. Now, um, that, that's an excuse to eat it right away. It is at that. I I, I have an impression overall that um, oh, we meet a lot of winemakers, and they all seem to be more extroverted. Cheesemakers seem to be introverted and shy. Is that true? Um, I think you need to take it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, it's an overstatement, but I just, I think about some of the cheese people that I try to interview, and they don't, they just keep dodging the, the opportunity. Well, it's also, I don't always, it's not always the cheesemaker themselves that I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with the owner, and maybe the owner is is also the spokesperson and the person who talks about the development of the cheese. Um, sometimes it's the cheesemaker themselves. It, it's a whole run. Anna, who makes a goat blue in Andalusia, she is quiet spoken, but she's pretty decided in what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just that a cheesemaker has to work so many hours, so there's not that much time. Fatima like to talk. I mean, we have a number of women cheesemakers now, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, lots of them, thank heavens, yeah. There's not a lot, but there's more than there used to be. Yeah, there are only I only have, like, two female Parmigiano-Reggiano makers, but I probably have about six goat cheese producers in Spain. Yeah, yeah there would be goat. I mean, the, the Parmigiana people are probably more uh, traditional and probably um, more male-oriented. Definitely so, but hopefully it's changing now and, and mixing it up more. Um, tell me, like, overall, are there is there any, is the U.S. giving any leeway now to on this raw milk issue? Or is it just still rigid? It's still the same as it was. You can import or consume raw milk cheeses if they're aged at least uh, 60 days. Right, but they have an update. That's good right there. Um, um, you, you were also working on new package design. Explain to us why you wanted to do this and what you came up with. Well, we feel very fortunate to have made it to our 20 years. And as part of that, we thought that we should give ourselves a new look, refresh it. So we first started with our brand name, Mitika, 
and we gave that a new look. I told you and it looks then, like it's bouncing. I'm sorry? It, I said it looks, when you see it, and the way the letters are arranged, it looks like the name is bouncing. We wanted it to be serious yet fun. Mm-hmm. It knew that you could always kind of see it in a different light. Sometimes the two dots on the eye can be blue, more like. Sometimes it can be different or just all black. We wanted that to be different and a very simple statement while having flair. And then we wanted to update our packaging because we thought that it was time. And we started out as just a cheese company, and then we ended up having a whole lot of wonderful products that, you know, kind of accompany those cheeses. So we just wanted to give it a more modern, up-to-date look. Okay. Um, I mean, you do crackers. You do, um, what else do you do? You do mustardas. We do. A mustarda is like a candied piece of fruit that's cut, and then it has a spicy mustard essence or an oil to it, so you get sweet and spicy at the same time, which is really fun. We do lots of nuts. Lots and lots of different almonds or crunchy corn or a mix or cocoa dusted. Corn. Crunchy corn. I'm not allowed to use the, there's a terminology that is trademarked, so we call them kikos, Q-U-I-C-O-S, and that are toasted corn kernels. Is it like, what's that? Stuff I like the um, what's the corn that I like? Well, corn nuts are corn trademarked nuts. by Kraft, so I can't use that oh, name. It's trademarked so we call by them who? Kraft. Really, I thought it was really like a, a an official term for just what the product is. It's a well, I found out it was trademarked, therefore I'm not allowed to use it, and Good so great. I find other ways of describing it. Um, but we we bring in lots of different fun you know, snacky-type things that when you're putting together a cheese plate and you want to have fun, you have different options. It might be a fried fava bean. It might be a Portuguese fried almond that's not salted. It could be a cocoa-dusted salted cashew, like a lot of different things like that, or that big oversized cookie I talked about, the sprizzolona, or quince paste. Um, There's almost 200 different items of those things. Yeah, a Portuguese tomato jam. Oh, yeah, tomato jam's big, isn't it, man? In Portugal, for sure, yeah. yeah. Or uh, gorgeous honeys, beautiful, like raw, like kind of creamy honeys with a bit of granular texture. It's so much fun. It's very, it's a very rewarding job to be able to work with all these different producers and help them grow and be their face and their voice in the States. Well, you seem to be indicating that things are going along smoothly. Uh, we know that you could, and people can get the, the cheeses um, at Whole Foods. Um, we, uh, I think they can also get them online on your Forever Cheese. No, we don't sell direct. We support um, distributors and stores um, all over the okay. country. But there's so, a, a finder. Well, you, you know, like local in your area, too, you have, you know, Pan Mac, you have Stamoulis, you have uh, Nick from Mediterra, he opened those wonderful shops. Oh, yeah. So you have those yeah. locally. I've known Nick for 10 million years. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Even before he did that. I'm yes. sorry, I'm not remembering his store name now. That's terrible. Uh, um, but, you know, he, he uses them. So we have a lot of wonderful um, shops that... Uh, and markets that do it, 
and uh, it's a great mix between all of our fabulous customers. Mom, I'm, I'm happy that you put me on your mailing list so I can keep up to, to uh, speed on the directions of your company. Um, is there anything that you see as revolutionary uh, developing in the cheese industry globally? What do you mean revolutionary? I mean, like, are we going to find a whole new source of cheese, fabulous cheese making somewhere, or is there I'm a always direction? looking. I, uh, I've been poking around the former Yugoslavia to find other things. Haven't found it yet. I have uh, some other ideas in mind, which I'm not going to share right now. When, <laughs> if, they, if they pan out, I will let you know. But um, always thinking, always exploring in what it is there, like with um, just thinking about some of the other things, you know, like we brought to the States this year a type of taleggio that is, that people, like the local Bergamasco people like to eat locally, where it's only washed once. So then it looks, it looks kind of like an old piece of cheese, but it's beautiful. Uh-huh. And it's different because it ages naturally, so it tastes different. It doesn't taste like a regular taleggio. I see. Um, we brought, uh, like, a cheese infused with uh, turmeric and uh, raw cow's... No, that one's pasteurized. It's pasteurized cow's milk cheese with thistle flour, but with turmeric. So, mm. like, mixing the idea of using the that, you know, turmeric, which is so important in our diet, but yet yeah. it's a very... Well, now it's cheese. a very hot item. I know. We've used it, it for is. years, and all of a sudden it's, it's sexy. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah. it looks really sexy in the cheese. Sure. Um I love the idea of seeing some things that are like terroir located. So we also have a saffron, uh, sheep's milk cheese from La Mancha, which is, you know, super nice. Um, I'm thinking about it a lot because if I am making it to this conference, these are the, the discussions that we're going to have. So this is what they want um, for being invited to the Azores and to try and stimulate and motivate people to do some different things, some fun things, and using their terroir. Well, if, if they do any kind of a synopsis of, of the, um, the forum, um, please put us on the mailing list because we'd like to be brought up to date or kept up at speed. Certainly. Great, Michelle. Well, it's good talking to you as always. And Thank you for having me. Keep having fun and good talking to you, dear. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Very nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. Well, I guess we've wrapped that up for this week and I look forward to being here at the same time, same place next week. And until then, bye-bye. <laughs>